Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel has the day off, and we are delighted to welcome back Peaches Hall, who is a regular pinch hitter for Carol. Peaches is the executive director of the Griffin Senior Center over on uh, Loop 410 at Ingram Park Mall, a place where literally hundreds of seniors gather day in and day out, uh, enjoying life the way life was intended to be enjoyed. It sits right next to a well-med clinic, and it is a place, Peaches, that grew from nothing to how many members now? 5,200. Wow. I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah, just uh, was a little Mervyn store not too long ago, and now it's the Doris Griffin Senior Center. I remember when we snipped the ribbon and uh, mm-hmm. I wondered, you know, how's it going to go? And people just, it, it's field of dreams. Build it They'll and come. they will come. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Doris Griffin, for those who don't know Doris Griffin, there was a wonderful piece in the Express News that Vince Davis wrote about her recently. Mm-hmm. She is a dynamo, an amazing woman. She is. And when she comes to the building, they greet her like a rock star. I mean, people pull out their phones to start taking pictures. and they, I mean, they're just so excited to see her. They really have a great love for her. And I've never seen her not well-dressed, not in heels, <laughs> and not made up. I know it. Right? I know. I, I, She's amazing. Some of our older listeners will remember a senator from Illinois named Chuck Percy, who had the most incredible voice, a deep, wonderful baritone. And I always wondered, if you went into his house and woke him at 2 in the morning, (laughs) what he'd sound like. Hi, I'm Chuck. (laughs) I think she would still have heels on. I think so. I I think she sleeps in heels. Yes, I agree. I agree. She is so... um, She's so respectful to everybody that when she comes in, she really appreciates that they're, and she's so genuine. I mean, when they named that center and put it Doris Griffin, she was so moved, so touched, and always still stays the same way. She feels that so much. She's been active in uh, lobbying the legislature on mm-hmm. issues that affect seniors for mm-hmm. literally for decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, is uh, a former lounge singer and an entertainer. Yeah. She's had an incredible life. She has. And and everywhere she goes, she touches people. And I think um, she's made that connection with Dr. Rapier many years ago. And they still are in contact. Uh, Anybody that meets her stays in contact with her. They love her. But I think it's because she's so stinking genuine. George Rapier, the founder of uh, Wellman Medical Management, and uh, has been a big supporter of uh, her Jefferson Outreach mm-hmm. uh, program. Oh, they, yes. They've done uh, for decades. She did a, a fashion show uh, as a fundraiser, and Dr. Rapier always showed up and participated in that fashion show. Not a lot of people who could get him to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but she'll get somebody to do anything. She's just amazing. She has that power. And she's also an example. When, when, you, when you think about it, and uh, you come out of the memory unit business, you, you've been around people with uh, dementia, you, you run a senior center where I'm sure you notice from time to time somebody who you may be concerned about. Uh, 
you live older and older and older, the odds of developing dementia increase. Uh, but Doris seems great, knock wood. Oh, amazing. Yes, and uh, I'll never tell you her birthday, but but I'm so impressed that somebody can wear those high of heels at that age and the, the makeup and the loving. But, you know, when she comes through, I have never seen her, even though she's put in a full day and she's exhausted, some the Jillianth person will come in and she'll say, oh, well, of course, honey. And she'll take the time, uh, embrace them, talk about them. And if they need help, she'll get something done for wow. them. Yeah, she's waiting. Well, one amazing. of the things I wanted to talk about today, and we have an opportunity with you in as our guest host for Carol Zerniel, because you have so much experience being around families where someone is uh, touched by dementia and mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Uh, for uh, the caregiver listening who, who may be caring for someone just recently diagnosed or mm-hmm. somebody who they're beginning to have concerns they may be developing a, a dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to talk a bit about what your advice is, how to manage that, how to deal with somebody uh, who, and thinking back to my dad when he began mm-hmm. uh, to develop dementia several years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the, the innumerable questions that would be repeated and repeated and repeated, uh, the difficulty in uh, finding where you are and getting lost in what mm-hmm. you're doing. Uh, all of those are issues that uh, certainly face families where someone has dementia. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Peaches Hall is pinch hitting today for Carol Zerniel. You hear us at 930 AM. The answer, delighted to have you with us. And remember, podcasts of all of our shows are available as well. And you just need to go to caregiversos.org to find those podcasts. Mm-hmm. So for somebody who runs into you at the senior center and said, hey, Peaches, if you got a minute, uh, my husband has been diagnosed with dementia. Yes. Uh, the first thing I always tell everybody is a lot of times I'll say, what's his diagnosis? And they'll say it's uh, it's dementia. And I'll say, what kind of dementia? And the, that's the most important thing at the very beginning to me is to make sure you know what kind. Why? Well, for a lot of different reasons. They all, they're, they have different MOs. You you will react different. They will react different. Medications don't work on some that work on others. Um, if for Lewy bodies, you can give them a medication that somebody who has Alzheimer's, and it creates more havoc. It makes them more anxious. They go off the chart. So find out what kind of dementia. There's over 40 of them. You know, Alzheimer's is under that dementia umbrella. That's one of them. It could be Lewy bodies. It could be, you know, it, created by so many different things. It could be alcohol-induced. It can be uh, you need to know what it is so you know how to to handle it. The thing I always say, if somebody were to say to you, you have cancer, you'd want to know what kind of cancer. And then that way you start your process of what's best for that patient, how you best can handle it. And where do you get that information? Your doctor. And if he can't do that, he will refer you to a neurologist. And there are several in San Antonio that are excellent and they will give you that information and then they start to give you other information like where to go for help and if you if you just feel lost you can come to the Doris Griffin Center we'll sit down and talk with you we have an Alzheimer's support group there that meets once a month we have a group that for people who are going through some depression and when you are losing somebody you and they feel like you are you feel like you're losing that person then there is some depression so you can come and talk with us about that but the first thing is is to get a good true diagnosis and once you have that 
Uh, it then gives you some of the tools you need. Yes, um, even the medications, because it's a different medication for uh, every dementia. And it also can tell you some of them move faster through the through the continuum of this. Some of them are slow. Some, of, but you need to know all that. It's very important. Remember Nancy Reagan describing uh, her husband, former President Ronald Reagan, the late president, mm-hmm. uh, as it was like the long goodbye mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he lived for quite a while mm-hmm. uh, with dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And there are so many. Um, there are so many support groups, videos, books. M- my favorite, um, Tipa Snow was an instructor out of St. Pete in Florida, and she has videos out there. I don't think, in my opinion, anybody teaches Alzheimer's like she does or dementia. Tipa like Snow. Tipa Snow. And she, her videos are incredible. She is very direct. She will say words in there you've never thought you would hear because you didn't think your loved one would say those words, but they may. And so she teaches you how to deal with some of those difficult times. She will also, you learn how to redirect. You learn just a, just a lot of things, how to give a shower now or how to talk them into getting a shower because they don't like to. So there's a lot that you can learn. I remember one of the most uh, difficult things for our family uh, to deal with mm-hmm. uh, when my dad began to spiral with mm-hmm. uh, uh, dementia. He and my mom had a fairy book romance. Mm-hmm. Never heard a crossword. Never ever saw them fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they held hands. Married sixty-five years. Walking down the street, always a loving couple. Mm-hmm. And as he began to get, you know, more and more lost in that disease, he would get angry and yell mm-hmm. at my mother. Mm-hmm. Never ever happened before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was able to uh, separate from that. She didn't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Had to be very tough for her. Absolutely. But those are the support groups that help you understand that. And that person is still that same person. But can you imagine losing your communications? That's what you do for a living. Talk to you is so easy, it just rolls off of your tongue. But if all of a sudden you're starting to miss those the valleys up in your brain and it jumps from one into a crevice and you can't find that word, what do you do now? You get frustrated because you are not able to communicate. That's the one thing you do. That's you a good know. way to put it, because my, my dad was a, a pharmacist, uh, very smart, very mm-hmm. well-educated, mm-hmm. and I, I assumed that, uh, and we never talked about it, uh, that he knew what was happening, mm-hmm. and it had to be driving him mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah. Um, and some people can deal with talking about it. Some I, I have um, a lady I hadn't seen for many months come in, and I knew that her husband had, um, he has Alzheimer's. And his is a very slow moving, but he talks about it. So it was really nice to be able to talk to somebody. That's a whole different perspective because sometimes you talk to people and they don't put that together. But he's joining that journey with her. And a lot of times the wives are doing it by themselves. They're talking about it together. That's a different kind of a case. And I think the more we talk about it and and the more, and President Mm -hmm. Reagan really led that movement by going public. Yeah. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree with uh, him as a president and the policies that he embraced, <coughs> writing a letter to the American people and explaining what was happening, uh, I, I think is, is so important. And, and then, of course, uh, Pat Summit, who'd been the coach at the University of Tennessee women's basketball team, mm-hmm. the best women's basketball coach 
on the planet mm-hmm. uh, went public about uh, early stages mm-hmm. uh, of dementia. She died recently. Uh, all of those mm-hmm. folks who are willing to stand up and say, hey, mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. Uh, I think, doesn't that help? Oh, it helps. It's enormous. Um, I had a gentleman that was in our um, our memory care unit that had a half a million people on his payroll. Really? Yeah. yeah. Seriously? Seriously. That's, I mean, he ran that kind of a business. So you think to yourself, and I had a, a rocket scientist in there. I, You know, it's just amazing the people that because it it hits everybody what's an equal opportunity disease? absolutely it doesn't have any favorites so guy has a half a million people on his payroll uh and and i'm sure he probably was able to juggle and manage a company Mm -hmm. uh like you know butter on a piece of bread Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. he slowly loses it yeah absolutely had another lady that um owned uh 28 beauty salons and they started to see that there was a slip in paperwork. Because many times you cover very well. You're able to do that. I want to talk about that in just a minute, mm-hmm. uh, both the covering and the enabling. Because my mm-hmm. mother enabled my dad for quite a while, mm-hmm. a term that comes from the alcoholic as well as people with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can talk about that, too. If you've just joined us, uh, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air at 930 a.m. The answer, I'm Ron Aaron. Peaches Hall filling in today for Carol Zerniel. We're talking about what every caregiver ought to know about dementia and Alzheimer's and Lewy bodies and the 40 other forms of dementia. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikhoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And the neat part, we also come to you at 6 p.m. with Caregiver SOS on air Sunday afternoons on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Ron Aaron along with Peaches Hall. We're talking for the benefit of caregivers everywhere. If you're new to caregiving or if you've been caring for someone uh, who has Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, trying to give you tips that Peaches is able to pass on after many years of managing uh, memory units and spending time Uh, really as positive an attitude as you'll ever find in dealing with people who have memory loss. Uh, And we were talking about uh, enabling and how it is. And my mother, for example, as my dad began to lose the names of everybody he knew, Mm -hmm. including his kids, Mm -hmm. my mother would just simply, you walk into a room and my mom would say, hey, Sal, you remember Peaches? Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, Peaches, how Mm -hmm. are you? Hey, here's your kid, here's Ronnie. Mm -hmm. So she was able to cover for him for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think they do that because they, you know, out of a love. Absolutely, out of love for someone you don't want other 
people to see that you want that person to stay there with you as much as you can. But it's amazing how many times your friends will come and they'll still visit and they can do that. They can walk in and say, hey, uh, Ron, do you remember me? You know, I'm I'm here to visit you again or I haven't right. seen you in a while. I sure miss you. It's good to see you. Uh, the one thing I can tell you is that anybody I have ever gone up to that has dementia, if you extend a hand, they always know how to take that back and shake it. Wow. Yeah, it's really That's amazing. That's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Yeah. And it's also because many of the people that I cared for were of an older generation and they were polite. Right. Yeah. They were raised polite. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we were talking about uh, folks who may have been at the, you know, the height of their careers and mm-hmm. uh, begin to uh, develop dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they know what's happening? Sometimes they do. And if they don't know it's dementia, they know something is changing. And it's, I love it because if you'll talk to them sometimes, you can say, um, so, so do you remember what the date is today? Do you know what today is? And they'll say, oh, you know. Didn't you read the newspaper? You should know that. You know, they'll put it back on you. It's pretty clever. Well, I thought of that today. I <laughs> had an office visit and I had to write the date and I, I snuck a look at my iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, thank goodness. Which has the calendar that shows the date. Yeah. So. And your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and where I was. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and that's somebody on their own uh, mm-hmm. trying to uh, protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes they're answering questions or they're asking you questions or they're making comments that you have to be a little clever you have to like somebody will say i want to go home and then you'll get there and like oh no 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 and you know the the spouse is just beside themselves and but they didn't mean around the corner they meant alabama maybe where they were born you know going home means something way different than we think wow yeah sometimes they've gone past that around the corner and now they want to go home to where they were from how how do you interpret it then you know, you, you listen to them. You, when you get there, you say, we're home. And if they say, well, no, we're not. What, what's home look like? What, uh, what, tell me about home. Is home where your mom is? is home, and because many of them have gone back that far, mom is still alive. Dad is still alive. Yeah, in fact, Carol Zerniel, who, who you're filling in for today, as you know, her mother uh, had Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. Carol used to talk about how they tried to live within her fantasies. Mm-hmm. That uh, rather than confront and try to correct, mm-hmm. uh, they tried to make sure that she was comfortable and whatever she thought was going on, they just bought right into that. Sure, sure. Uh, and why wouldn't you? Because if you don't, all of a sudden they're confused and scared and they don't understand because that's their reality. So it's joyful to join that journey with them. It really is to go on that journey. I've had, you know, so many times you have people who are lopers, want to leave the building, and then, you know, I keep saying, I want to go, I want to go. And um, I said, where do you want to go? I want to go home. Well, tell me about it. I don't have a car right now, but if I get a hold of a car, you know, and they're so cute sometimes, they'll say, don't you have a bicycle? (laughs) So, well, no. How'd you get to work? My friend dropped me off. So you have to be going on with it. But when my friend comes, where could we go? We we had these ladies that I was so, it was joyful. They would come up to the counter all the time. We'd have a nurse's station or the kitchen counter and they'd come up and they'd say, "We're, we're leaving. Four of them would be in force. We're leaving. And I'd say, okay, where are you going? Our little girl Reagan did that the other night. She (laughs) said, well, we had said something to her about, you know, you really need to do whatever. And she said, I'm going somewhere else. I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) See? Gina came up with the best answer ever. She looked at her and he said, oh, okay. Uh, Her brothers, Carter, Kennedy, which one of you would like Reagan's room? (laughs) Kennedy said, I do, I do. (laughs) Reagan said, I'm staying. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's the same thing. It's it's there's sometimes it's just a relief. Sometimes it's not a comfort, and they don't remember where they're at, and this doesn't look normal. After a while, they start to settle in, and when the families would come and pick them up to take them out to eat, they might be out for dinner for an hour or so, and then they'd say, I, I want to go back home. And now that is home. They see that as home. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes they get there and they get very wow. anxious depending on what's going on. And so if I would talk to them, one of them would want to leave all the time, and I'd say, we can't. There's a fire out front. But as soon as they put that fire out, we're, we're going. I'm taking you. And by then it had passed. I had a chance recently, I wrote an article uh, for a local newspaper, uh, local community news about uh, some of the area Alzheimer's mm-hmm. uh, uh, memory units. And I went into one over on Hebner Road, beautiful facility, and, and the administrator was telling me about one of the residents. Uh, I, I'd said to him, you know, I don't see, nobody has phones. He said, right, because they all steal them from each other. Yeah. So there is a phone, and they can use the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one community phone, yeah. like an old real phone. Yeah. That you well, and it's push funny. button on. And this one guy, uh, because although they may have uh, dementia, they're still capable of doing a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. He bought himself a brand new car. Yes. Which he ordered from a local car dealer. Yes. He mm-hmm. had a credit card which had sufficient room on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, sure enough, a couple of days later, they pull up to the unit with a brand new car. And the yep. kid walks in holding the keys. You know, I'm looking for Mr. Jones. Mm-hmm. And the administrator came out and said, did you not read the sign that's out front that says yes. memory unit? Yes. He said, well, I don't know about that, but uh, he bought this car. Mm-hmm. Well, they were able to get it credited back yeah. <laughs> on yeah. his account. That happens. That is so common. And I'll tell you, they're so good at explaining things when they're talking to you. You're like, yeah, there's, this one's okay. He seemed perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. I had, um, I had a, um, when I was doing guardianship, I had a, a gentleman that had a lope from the community he was at. And went to the bus station and talked um, a family into buying him a bus ticket to Mexico because he said he wanted to go back home where his family was. Well, he, he must have heard stories when he was younger because he was not from Mexico. And luckily, they bought him this ticket. And as he was changing buses um, down at the border, he fell. And in the conversation with the people that were helping him, they were like, ooh, something's off here. And so they ran it through and they saw that he was wow. a missing person. Yes, but in just was able to talk this family oh poor guy i know when i'm on 410 and you see silver alert on the reader boards yeah i always check the make and model of the vehicle to make sure it's not mine <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah so it's the stories are endless and if if you listen to them you'll start to get points from your friends and your loved ones because there's a lot of people going through this too you know how do you deal with uh, the repetitive questions um i you know i just keep answering the same thing and after a while, it's you're not even you know like you know or, or, where, where are we going tomorrow? Going to go to the doctor. We're we're going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes they're not repetitive. Sometimes they are pretty tricky. So they'll say we're going to the doctor. Uh huh. What time are we going? Two o'clock. Well, did you ask me if we should go at two o'clock? I did. Well, okay. Well, where are we going? To the doctor uh, at two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Well, I have something else to do. Why didn't Why did you make it that time? Well, because you told me to make it at that time. You need me to change it? So sometimes yeah. you have to be invested in the conversation, but a lot of times you can just say 2 o'clock. Yeah, 2 o'clock. Let's go get a cup of coffee. You know? And you had used a term uh, when, when we first began this conversation, Peach, is all about redirecting. Mm-hmm. 
How, how does that work and how does that play in as a caregiver? Sure. A lot of times um, got, there's a bunch of different scenarios, but um, if somebody is really uh, feeling pain, you can tell that they're like, I need to go. Um, I've had ladies come up to me and say, I've got to go. It's getting close to 4 o'clock. I have to go pick my child up from the bus stop. And so you can say, oh, it's not quite for you. And then they're, if they're still telling time, yes, it is 4 o'clock. And I've got to go, and somebody's going to get my child. And so at that point, you have a story or you redirect. And mine for this lady was, oh, I forgot to tell you. Please don't be mad at your husband. Be mad at me because I was supposed to tell you that he picked your daughter up to go get ice cream today. Well, the daughter was grown, and her husband had already passed. But Didn't she, matter. No. And she was like, oh, okay, I won't be mad at you this time but he's not supposed to give ice cream to that child you know so you have to be thinking about what you can do because can you imagine for a mom who thought she had a seven or eight year old child at a bus stop left alone you are not going to redirect that and because to her it's real oh yeah and dangerous and you know some people have some of them are in such pain thinking that their child has already been kidnapped or somebody's I had a gentleman who thought his wife was trapped in the garage and there was a fire. So sometimes you walk through it. Sometimes you do. I've had people that have had to take on walks around the corner of the dementia unit just held, holding on to my arm. And let's go, let's go check and see if it's okay. Now, dementia units are locked. Mm -hmm. And I guess the trend these days is to make them look more and more like homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it may be a, a circular walkway that goes mm -hmm. uh, through the entire facility mm -hmm. uh, because folks with dementia often do walk. They do. And wander. They do. My dad was a wanderer yeah. for a while. Mm -hmm. Oh, we, you know, we would at night, we would go back into the rooms as they were settling, getting their showers, watching a little bit, of t listening to music. And then we'd go and rearrange because th they'd gathered things from everybody else's room. And so we'd put Mrs. Smith's glasses back in and their pictures and change it and sometimes you'd be like mrs smith are those your teeth you know so, so everybody everything was rearranged and reached but at, at night we'd put everything back you know we'd make sure their clothes were all back in the we had one gentleman that just loved to get into somebody else's clothing and she was a petite so you know we, to, we were always like trying to get these things on and off of people but you know and you join that and it's not a big deal it, you don't have to make it a big deal. When you make it a big deal, they don't understand that. It's frustrating. I want to talk for a minute or two in just a moment uh, about when you need to make that decision uh, to put somebody into a memory unit mm -hmm. if you're trying to care for them at mm -hmm. home. If you're listening to us, you're hearing us on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, Caregiver SOS On Air. We come to you every Sunday at 6 p.m. Podcasts of our shows are available as well. I'm Ron Aaron along with Peaches Hall, who is pinch hitting today for Carol Zerniel. Well, you want to be careful you don't extrapolate uh, how similar those in the stages of Alzheimer's that we're talking about today and toddlers are very much alike. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Uh, our kids at the moment, three-and-a-half-year-old twin boys and our five-year-old girl, Reagan, occasionally are into potty words, mm -hmm. and they love potty words. Mm -hmm. And you were telling me that was true of some folks mm -hmm. at your memory unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really hard for the family because they'd be like, Mom, never use that language, never. But, you know, somewhere in her life she heard it. She knew not to repeat it, but she heard it. So when things were leaving and you didn't have that memory of other 
afterwards, but maybe you still kept that little file of profanity words you weren't supposed to say, or you kept your music words. You know, so maybe they can't say regular sentences. It's all word salad, but they can still sing the songs to all the, you know, the hymns from church. So sometimes when they're reaching for a word and it's frustrating and they throw you an F-bomb, you just have to be like, oh, I think that means cat, you know? (laughs) So... And for the caregiver uh, mm-hmm. who's trying to deal with that, mm-hmm. you got to loosen up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I would okay. think. Yeah, I just, you know, when they're frustrated and they can't find a word, how frustrating can that be? You know, it, when somebody sits down to eat a meal and their attention span isn't there anymore, that they don't know, have they sat down to eat it or are they just finishing? You know, how amazing is that? The most difficult thing that... Um, person in a dementia unit has to do is a shower there are more moves and and things that are necessary to take a shower than anything you do in the day you have to get all your clothes off you have to fix and then once you get them off and maybe you're done that last button you're thinking oh I must be done with my shower I'll go ahead and start getting dressed again so when you go in and you say uh, Mrs. Smith did you take a shower she said well of course I did I'm getting redressed and you know she didn't there she's completely dry but she thought she did so you need to stay in there. You need to keep that shower room extremely warm to the point where you're just sweating buckets. But they're always cold. Yeah. So keep that room warm and get it done in a hurry. I always say buy those one and do it all shampoos, body wash, conditioner, and you just start at the top and you do it. And while they're sitting there getting a shower, you do their teeth too. <laughs> well, that's a real challenge. We interviewed mm-hmm. uh, several months ago now a dentist here who specializes in doing geriatric mm-hmm. dental care. Yep. and. Uh, has especially working with mm-hmm. folks with dementia yep. who have forgotten in many ways how to brush their teeth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and may resist somebody trying to stick something in their mouth. They do. But when somebody is in a, for us, it was wonderful. We'd get them, do their shower, and while we still had them sitting in a shower chair, we'd put that uh, toothbrush in their hand, put the toothpaste on it, and say, don't forget to do that. And sometimes you'd have to do hand over hand. Sometimes they'd let you do it. Sometimes they'd fight you. But you have to remember, is this a war you want to win? Is this, this a giant battle? Or do you just try to brush their teeth later that night? But you just keep doing. The, the, the hard part is that many of our caregivers are not paid well. So they'll come in and they'll say, uh, Mrs. Smith, did you brush your teeth? She said, yeah. And they go, okay, good. And they're gone. But you don't. You just have to. You have to be there watching them, doing it with them, because the dental problems they can cause so much issue. Right, dental caries and oh. uh, gum disease can lead to serious yeah. uh, medical problems. And you lose your teeth at that age, and if they've never worn false teeth before, they're going to take them out every time and throw them down. It's it's brand new to them. They're not used to that. So now they're not mashing their food and getting the saliva in their stomach and doing all the things they need to do to stay healthy. And so now they go to soft foods, and then before long they're just drinking the protein drinks. And It's just, no, you keep those teeth clean. And, and, and some folks with dementia uh, resist eating. They don't want to eat. They do. Well, and the, they've developed this sweet craving so we always put ketchup or syrup on everything and they if it has a sweet taste they'll eat it so you know if we had people that had some sugar issues then we would just sprinkle sweet and low on everything so it's great on green beans <laughs> it is <laughs> I have to remember that because yeah. it works with toddlers, too, I would yes, think. Yes, yes. And we also had people that we couldn't get to sit very long. They would want to walk the whole time. So our, 
Luckily, ours were set up in a circle like you were talking yeah. about, and they'd have to walk through the dining room eventually. Then you stick a burrito in their hand or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> or whatever. As they're and walking, off they go. Yeah, and they'd end up, by the time they've made that first circle, they're half a sandwich down, making another one, they're another half down, stick an apple in their hand, a banana in their hand, whatever it is, just get them to eat. We want to keep those calories in them because there will be a time where you want to have a little fat on their body so they don't break down because they're going to be bed bound. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Peaches Hall filling in for Carol Zerniel today, and we really appreciate Peaches doing this in her other life, which is her real life. You find her uh, over at the Doris Griffin Senior Center on uh, Loop 410, Ingram Park Mall. Uh, and today we're talking about uh, caring for someone with uh, Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Uh, how do you know when you reach the point that uh, you can't do it anymore, and uh, the person you're caring for would probably be better off, as would you, mm-hmm. if they were uh, in a memory unit. I think a lot of times you don't know. You are so caught up in it that you can't see the forest. I I always say families to you butt in. If you if your mom is suffering with taking care of your dad, kids butt in. Go in and say, Mom, it's okay. I want you to know we're we're behind you. If it, dad needs to be placed, we want to, we want this to happen. And actually, we think that maybe your health is suffering. If something happens to you, dad's out there. So my deal is butt in. Talk to talk to about it. And most people don't want to talk about this, and they don't want to put them in an institution either. Right. Right. We have a neighbor whose wife had dementia, has dementia, uh, and he finally reached the point because he wasn't sleeping. Mm -hmm. She was wandering. She would get out. Mm -hmm. No matter how many locks and bolts he put Mm -hmm. up, she would get out. Uh, And it was really very hazardous Mm -hmm. to him and to her. He finally put her in a unit. Mm -hmm. For a period of time, he felt terribly guilty about it. Yeah. Well, and just know that you can always show up. And if they tell you you can't show up in the middle of the night, you're not putting them in the right place. You you can go visit anytime. You should be able to just 2 o'clock in the morning, if you're not sleeping and you don't have anywhere to go the next morning but you want to go see your loved one, then just go do that. Um, there should be no reason that some nights you just don't sit right there in that chair and stay all night with them. Uh, you're, it's going to take time to release that. There's going to be some exhaustion, but there's going to be time. You should be able to visit anytime, and not all places are the same. Um, and I'm ha- happy to help anybody who's looking, um, give them ideas or talk to them about where they've picked. Uh, I, we pl- I helped somebody get placed last week, and the, the family's relieved right now. Well, he's relieved now, and mm-hmm. he does go see her, my neighbor. Good. Uh, he goes every day, mm-hmm. uh, and on Saturdays he takes her to the beauty shop to get her hair done. Nice. And he said to me, he smiled, he said, you know, I really do it for me. Oh, because they used to uh, they used to do it together, Aww. and now he takes her there together. Yeah. But uh, the days she doesn't know who he is. Yeah, that's okay. He knows. He knows absolutely. That's true, and uh, he's accepted the fact. Yeah, he did go through a period of time where he thought maybe I ought to bring her home, mm-hmm. and then he realized he just couldn't handle it. Yeah, and you know, there's something I, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know how to explain it, but every day when I would go in and and um, greet my you know people that lived there all the residents they could not remember my name but they knew I was supposed to be there and they knew that I was safe and they liked me sitting down and talking with them over coffee so I could remember getting up and leaving and they'd say who is she and they go I don't know but she's really nice <laughs> but every day right. you know every day yeah. yeah I don't know but she's really sweet so <laughs> so that's that was the best thing for me to hear we had one gentleman that was 
very, very difficult. Sometimes you get those really crotchety, you know, throw things at you when you walk by. And so, <laughs> so those are the ones that I really love. So I would go in in the morning and I started taking him a cup of coffee. Because um, he wasn't, he didn't get around very easily. He watched television all day long, and he didn't even know what he was watching. But so I start taking him coffee, and he liked it sweet, and he liked the cream. I find what he'd like, and I'd sit down with him just for a few. Minutes. He'd say, "You know, you can go." I'd say, "I know, <laughs> I know." So after a while, he would wake up, and on weekends when I wasn't there, he went back to throwing things again. But he was a real early riser and loved his coffee in the morning. And so if you find out those things about people, so don't be afraid to tell. When you, when you go to place your loved one somewhere, tell them everything you can, things that are familiar to them. Even if they don't read the paper anymore, take the same paper in there every day. It's a familiar feeling to get the coffee and hold the paper. Right. Or whatever it is they like to do, do that with them. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's great. You and and as you said, not all the units are alike. Now, there's always a, a financial challenge. Yes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very expensive. Yes. 7000 a month is mm-hmm. not unusual. No, it's not. And, sometimes and Medicare does not pay a thing. Not a thing. They won't pay for your living space. Now, there are a couple um, communities in uh, San Antonio that I do like very much that they do um, take people with dementia, and they are nursing home but don't feel so nursey. Um, so when you get to that point, and if you just can't care for them anymore, you can still go and visit all the time. I have to tell you, if you talk to the staff there and you and you tell them, I'm here because I just can't not go a day without seeing my husband, put me to work. Let me help you. Can I set the table he's sitting at? Can I clear his dishes? Hey, maybe I can make his bed and help you out when I come in. Because as the spouse, you want to do some of those things. It gives sure. you something to do while you're there. You sit and talk with them. You're doing things. You're you know being busy. The staff loves that. They love that. We had several of our family members that came in and would sit and help us feed other members, other uh, residents that were at the table, and they loved doing it. And they became close to them, too. When we, you know, it was just, it was a good family feel. We had a guest, uh, I guess about a year or so ago now, who, uh, as a caregiver, uh, her husband went into a memory unit, and she moved in with him Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, spent time there, lived there, uh, and at a... I guess once or twice a week they would have taco night mm. and they would serve uh, tacos uh, to the members, uh, to the residents, mm-hmm. uh, but they wouldn't have any of the fixings. They wouldn't have any of the, the side stuff you put mm-hmm. on a taco. And she uh, finally went to the administrator and said, you know, this is wrong. And, and, and his answer was, well, they don't care. They don't know. Oh, God. And she said to him, that's no way to treat people. Mm-hmm. And she raised uh, holy you-know-what. Good for her. And they changed that policy, mm-hmm. but they also changed the policy of letting family members spend the night there oh, because they obviously sad. didn't like the close scrutiny, and that was a place that you wouldn't want your loved one. Well, and the other thing I can tell you is make sure you ask questions. Um, I remember when I was doing guardianship, I had a gentleman that kept um, running away. So finally the court said he's got to be in a, this person has to be in a locked community. And so I just he was in a residential care home before that and it just killed me so I went in and I because I was a guardian I was able to pull the charts and see how this person was doing and I I remember going up to the charge nurse 
and to uh, a, um, a med passer and saying, can you tell me how Marcelina's doing? Oh, she's wonderful. We just are so happy that she is she eating well? Yes, yes, she eats great. I said, great. Went to the MA, did the same thing. Then I went to the executive director and I said, I want you to know I was just checking on my ward. And they told me that just eating everything, great, you know, patient, couldn't be happier and Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I said, yeah, they just kept telling me how wonderful she is. He said, see, she's doing well here. I go, okay, because she is a guy. Wow. Yeah. They just tell you. They had no idea. They wanted to tell me what they thought I wanted to hear. Wow. Yeah. So, no, you have got to be, you've got to be Snoopy. Peaches is available. If you want to chat with her, just head over to the uh, Doris Griffin Senior Center uh, over on 410 at Ingram Park Mall, and she'd be happy to talk with you hey thank you so much oh it's a pleasure i appreciate it and it's a challenge that a whole lot of families have to face Mm -hmm. up next can you believe it take 10 with ron aaron carol zernio and dr jamie heisman thanks for joining peaches and me on caregiver sos on air at 9 30 a.m the answer it's hard to believe but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikhoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. It's time for Take 10. We follow each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs with Take 10. Dr. Jamie Heisman joins us, a nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addictions and caregiving. And our regular co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here as well. I'm Ron Aaron. You hear us at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And Carol, next topic. Well... You know, it's a new year, so I was thinking about new caregivers, and wouldn't it be nice to talk about things that maybe people who are just realizing that they're a caregiver, they're new to the game, new to the journey, um, what would, you know, the three of us want them to know about caregiving? What have we learned from other caregivers that they might benefit from so that they start off on the best foot possible? So I'm going to let Jamie go first. So Jamie, what's the number one thing you would tell a new caregiver? Well, that's almost not fair because you know my number one thing is actually the probably number four thing. I think there's four steps with caregiving, a new care, being a new caregiver. And I'll start with just one. Um, you know, the most important thing is to get both feet on the ground and, and have good information and good concept. And I think a family caregiver, when they become a new caregiver, has to start with a diagnosis, a real diagnosis. That if something's going on with your loved one, you know, whether it's medical or it's neurological, or forgetful, or things are going down the, you know, a, a kind of a, 
a trail that you know is not right, um, you have to go get a good diagnosis. You well, have to really immediately get a doctor uh, to see your loved one and get a second opinion if necessary. And and that sounds so obvious, and yet there are a lot of families out there that don't really want to know. They don't want to hear the bad news. Uh, they don't want to have confirmation that their worst fears are confirmed. And so there are families out there that would rather operate in yeah. the dark than get that diagnosis. But you're so right. You know, you're 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 going with one hand and maybe both eyes closed um, when you don't have a, a diagnosis. Really, because knowing your loved one's diagnosis helps you plan realistically. If you cannot start it, you can't name it and claim it from the beginning, you're going to be all over the place. You have to learn as much as you can about your family member's condition. And, and this information, um, you know, will confirm that you're not imagining things. And it will give you, along with your primary doctor or your specialist or whomever you're seeing, it will give you a game plan a game plan to how to deal with this diagnosis so that you feel going into this, you're not going to lose control not only over your behavior, but your loved one's behavior. And there's so many books and video classes that are available once you get this diagnosis from, from so many, you know, disease uh, foundations out there. Well, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to let him go on to two, three, and four. I was going to say four. one or two, yeah, three, and you four. You might as well, because now I'm curious, what's right. two, three, and four? So one is diagnosis. The fourth one you'll always know is going to come from me. But these are really realistic things. And then the second one that says you have to talk to your loved one. You have to be realistic and talk to your loved one about, you know, the real issues at hand, finances and health care wishes and things like that, a durable power of attorney um, for the finances and for health care. And, and assist them maybe finding a geriatric care manager because they have to deal with their chronic or terminal illness and have to understand that they're emotionally probably uh, up up in the air and, and somewhat unstable. Uh, you have to bring in an elder law specialist to help draw up the documents. And I think that this type of planning, if you're a new caregiver, can relieve immediate anxiety and make you prepared for the future. Well, I think that, you know, that would probably be at the top of my list as well, because so many families wait too late to get those powers of attorney when someone isn't, you know, well enough or competent enough to fill out the documents. You know, it's too late when mom or dad can't sign their name anymore. You've waited too long. You missed the window. And so, you know, and the the sooner you can have that discussion, maybe have a family meeting, I think if you're going to spend any money, you know, spend it up front, just like you said, Jamie, I would hire that elder law attorney to drop all the documents and, and, and be that impartial third party to, you know, with the family to say this is what's going to happen legally. And I would hire that geriatric care manager just to say, okay, I've got a diagnosis. I've got these documents. I need a roadmap. You know, what, what, help me what plan do? the next few steps or the beginning, middle, and what we think is the end. And just kind of lay things out. I think that's money well spent. Yeah, if you're a quarterback and you don't have 10 people on the field that you're throwing that ball for or blocking for you, uh, you're going to lose the game. And, and so it's, it's critical for you to, to, as a quarterback, to be able to facilitate and get these professionals in place. Now, there is a bunch going into it, which is the, the next step, really, that, that goes into making sure your loved one is feeling also lockstep with you and, and, and is actually not pulling away from you or pushing back. And so the step three piece is invite your family and close friends to come together and discuss your loved one's care and be able to game plan, if you will, 
um, support meetings with them. And then, you know me, I'm always going to tell you at that point in time, get that geriatric care manager involved or social worker involved because you never know how the information is received. And often, as we say, the caregiver can get killed. And the primary caregiver is always best to focus on accepting this assistance from others because we've got this terrible Superman or Superwoman sort of feeling about ourselves. And, and it always makes us feel less than when we're not that super person. And that's really important. That's something that I have learned from you about not being the messenger or you know, just like you know, we can tell our kids hey, go to bed at 8 o'clock, and they're like, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. I but, guarantee but that. But the babysitters comes in and says, go to bed at 8 o'clock. They're like, oh, I better go to bed. I mean, they'll listen to someone else where they won't listen to you, baby sister, um, about what's going on. You've been at our house lately. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So yeah, they, so, you're dealing with children. Yeah, it's not different. Well, yeah, and you know, and, and, <laughs> it's no different. And people who think they're adults are even worse to deal with. Yeah. So it's you know that that impartial that third party um, is really really important. So I think those are are great steps. Do not go it alone. I am telling you, over the last you know, you and I probably together have. I hate to say this, I, mean, I, I love to say, it, I'm grateful. At least 50, 60 years of work in this field. And we have seen it. We have seen it so often. Don't go it alone. There are some wonderful resources out there. Again, you can go to psychologytoday.com, put your zip code in, and look for somebody skilled in geriatric care. They're not expensive, and often insurance will help pay for it. Right. And, uh, you know, when you give out that website, my comeback is always the um, website to find the area agency on aging in your area, which is also one of the first places I would call because their task with keeping a listing an inventory of all the caregiving services, all the services for seniors, if you're caring for someone who's a senior, in their service area. So if you go to eldercare.gov, just eldercare.gov, same thing. Put in your zip code, and you will get your local area agency on aging. Everyone has one, whether you know it or not. And they can tell you, this is what we have, this is what we don't have. And at least you know. And there's no cost. And and there's no cost for that phone call and to get that information. And there may even be no cost for some of the services. You never know. You're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM. The answer, Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel. Jamie, you're up. Well, I'd like to tell you now we've finally gotten to my step four. <laughs> and you know what it's going to be. Take your oxygen first. I mean, finding support for yourself. I would say that first. But to be perfectly blunt with you, I think all those critical logistical reality-based interventions need to happen if you're a new caregiver. But by all means, this is not in any order of importance because I believe that taking advantage of community resources such as support groups um, and, and moving yourself connected to, to other people and taking care of your own mind, your own body, your own soul, having your own therapist, making sure you're seeing your own primary care doctor to look at issues because caregiving can be medically challenging, and it, we know it's psychologically challenging. So make sure you put something in what I call the spiritual or psychological bank so that when these kind of things pop up, and you know Murphy's Law with caregiving, it's always going to pop up, you have somewhere to go, which is really your, your own mental health. Well, I think it's a great time if you're a new caregiver to make it a habit to 
take care of yourself, to set aside some time for you to just put that in the daily plan and hang on to it for all you can, as long as you can, because, you know, those that just throw themselves into caregiving first thing, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Uh, and then they've got nothing left at the end. And remember, caregiversos.org for all kinds of resources and caregiver teleconnection as well. Well, we've got great oh. programs at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. So you, you got my last line there was, don't forget about caregiversos.org. All of the WellMed Charitable Foundation resources can be found on our website. Out of time, Jamie. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, I'm just going to say I believe in what she's doing. And if you're in Texas, take advantage of those resources. Run, do not walk. And I think the Internet is worldwide, so you can go to that website. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.